What is up, Winnipeg Jets fans? Welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name's Liz. I'm one of your regular hosts. I'm joined by Brady. And as many of you know, we got a special guest here today to talk about what maybe we weren't expecting to be a Jets win after how that game started and frankly how that game progressed. But hey, a win is a win. A win is <laughs> and a that's win. what we're here to talk about. Um, before we get started, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so fired up to have you. We're going to talk all things Jets versus um, Canes. I was about to say Habs. I think I'm just in a game over mood right now. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about some player cards, going to open the floor up to some questions. So for those of you who are live in the chat, as always, thank you for being here. Get ready with your keyboards because we're going to be chatting after a few minutes and getting some questions in from you guys. But to get things started, um, Brady, TS off. Initial thoughts? on not the game, but what was worn in that game. Ooh, we finally get our introduction to the Fly the 48 uh, jerseys. I know uh, it's a very controversial jersey. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, I When it first came out, I initially liked it, and I was just excited to see it in action. And as I tweeted, as I said, my suspicions were correct. This These jerseys needed brown pants. Uh, and also... yes. yes. Also, the numbers are are, are terrible. Uh, I, I was I was saying I, I I would imagine if I was anyone who was tracking data, uh, those numbers are not a fun. Uh, we're not fun to try and figure out who is who. Uh, maybe you can touch on that a little bit, uh, Jack. But uh, what did you think of the jerseys? I I would fly the fly the forty eight. <laughs> yeah, I you fun. would. I thought that they were pretty neat. I didn't understand why everybody was hating on them. Uh, I guess maybe maybe they were divisive in in the Jets corner of the internet. It seemed like everybody was just dumping on them when they were revealed from from my you know general NHL uh, uh, perspective. But uh, I kind of like them. I mean, like I, I like them. I think they look better up close than they do like on a TV broadcast. Like they were a little darker than I expected them to be. And like you said, the numbers were just a little bit illegible. But overall, I thought they were pretty charming. I definitely wouldn't want them to wear them full time, but I uh, give them one thumbs up. One, one thumb. thumbs up. You know what? We'll, we'll take a one thumbs up. But you know who gets two thumbs up tonight is the guy who was wearing brown pants. Well, brown pads, close enough. Our backup goaltender, ladies and gentlemen, Laurent, oh, I can't speak. Laurent Brassois was in Jets goal tonight after last game. Brady Chalice, your very own Brady Chalice on Game Over Winnipeg, gave him an F grade for how the first quarter of the season has gone for him. Lock him up, tie him up, throw him in prison because Laurent <laughs> Brassois proved him wrong tonight. Jack, what did you think of Laurent Brassois' game tonight uh, in backup goaltending for the Jets and facing a lot of shots from the Carolina Hurricanes tonight? I mean, I, I'm i not going to come on here and say he sucked. <laughs> he made like 38 <laughs> saves or whatever. Uh I mean, look, like when you when you're playing against the Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes, it's just endurance. Like you're just going to face so many shots, you know, of a bunch of different types, a lot of point shots, a lot of stuff through traffic. You know, the commentators going to use the word he fought that one off 60 times, um, you know, and, and I think your F grade was pretty warranted like his, you know, I don't think he had had a single quality start through the entire first quarter of the season, uh, you know, performed i think pretty poorly and yeah i, I would consider bross to be a pretty decent goalie like in terms of backup goaltenders i would i would consider him a pretty a perfectly qualified one uh and i think what he did tonight was a little bit more in line with what i would have expected from him than five crummy games earlier in the year yeah when it comes to goaltending and i and i think like this with this matchup specifically um do, what is your opinion on like the idea that like 
getting a lot of shots on against because we know the the Carolina Carolina Hurricanes mo. We know that they're a team that likes to shoot from everywhere, get as many pucks on the net as possible. Um, obviously, being an analytics guy, uh, do, it, do you give any credence to the like you know oh getting a couple shots on early, making a couple big saves to start off the game uh, can give a goalie confidence. Yeah, I, I think it depends on the goalie. I think, you know, I'm not a goalie expert by any means. Uh, I, I'm sure that there's some of them who feel a bunch of pucks in their pads and, and start to feel very confident. I'm sure there's some of them who start to break down after, you know, a 60-minute onslaught. But I, I, we've seen so many okay goalies seem to go absolute god mode against the Hurricanes that I think that there is a bit of a pattern there. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that, you know, the reputation the Hurricanes have for – being a horrible finishing team, I think that's a lot more process than it is actual finishing talent on the roster. Um, and I think we saw it tonight. I mean, they had a couple of great chances, especially early on. I thought they were actually getting some passes through the slot, which they don't usually do. Um, but overall, despite the sheer qual- quantity that they gave up, I thought the Jets did a decent job of at least forcing them to take those kind of contested perimeter shots for most of it. And Brasso uh, was obviously up to the task. Yeah, 100%. And that was kind of the the conversation that I'm sure a lot of people were having around the kitchen tables or sitting on the couches watching that game. It, this is the epitome of the conversation of shot quality versus quantity, right? Where I think I, if we looked at individual shot metrics per, you know, isolated thing, I would take a gander that the Jets probably had within the top 10 most dangerous shots of that game probably most of them um and I think that speaks to probably some of the team defense we've seen from the Winnipeg Jets in the last little bit um you know where like you said the the pushing to the perimeter I think really bodes well for them and you also want to see them do that when their backup goaltender um is in net so moving kind of off from the goalie perspective into more of the offense I want to talk a little bit about the top line and maybe I'll throw it to you first Brady uh this is what maybe the third game maybe the second complete game that we've seen Nikolai Ehlers on that top line with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor to me they looked real fast tonight I saw some decent five-on-five solid possession cycling in the zone, which is rarely, I feel like when I see from this team, oftentimes it's again, same sort of vibe with the, the more perimeter shots and all their high danger ones come off the rush and whatnot. And I thought we saw some pretty good in zone work from that top line tonight. Brady, what'd you, what'd you think of them? Oh, I mean, like they, they were the only reason, I mean, obviously the two goals are, are both uh, from that top line with, you know, Kyle Connor breaking his, uh, his goal list streak. I think it was at six games. Uh, and then of course, Nikolai Ehlers with, I mean, I, I think the Nikolai Ehlers goal is like the, the epitome of, of what we want to see from that line. Um, I, like I, I wrote it down here, the puck change hands from like, as soon as, you know, one of the forwards grabbed it. So it starts off with Ehlers. It goes to Kyle Connor. It goes back to Ehlers. He hands it off to Shifley who enters the, the zone, drops it to Kyle Connor, moves it back to Mark Shifley. Shifley, Shifley puts it out front and you get that perfect tic-tac-toe play that uh, is is really what you almost like not necessarily need to see exactly that type of play. Um, but that type of play is exactly the reason why you can look at that line and go, this line should succeed. Um, and then even going past like, you know, the just, you know, the goal, for example, uh, if you look at the grand scheme of the game, I mean, if you if you go to money puck right now and you go, you sort by line by lines, you sort by expected goals. And these guys were sitting at 63, uh, almost 64 percent expected goals tonight. So um, not only did they, you know, show flair in just the specific moments where it all worked out, um, but it, it, it seemed like um 
or, or uh, they they were able to win their matchup tonight, which is you know not something that always happens with a, a Shifley Connor duo. Um, so really, you know, I, I look at that line and I go a big check mark off there. Uh, it's more the rest of the team that I am getting. I, I would be a little bit more concerned about tonight. Um, uh, Jack, I, I, I want to ask you what your opinion is on, uh, you know, line stacking as well as, uh, versus kind of like moving the, uh, you know, the, the pieces without the, or throughout the lineup. I think it depends. I mean, I would consider the Jazz to be a team that has a pretty balanced forward group in terms of I like a lot of players who are in their middle six. Um, I, I think against Carolina, it especially makes a decent amount of sense because the name of the game is being opportunistic against them. Uh, and, and they were a perfect example of that tonight where you're not going to get that many chances against the Hurricanes, so you have to really make the most of them. And I think adding a catalyst like Ehlers to Connor and Shifley, you know, somebody who can just move the puck up the ice quickly uh, and, and make the creative plays, you know, that, that lets Connor and uh, Shifley's skills, uh, you know, like really manifest themselves, I, I think is a, is a very good fit for playing against a team like the Hurricanes. And, and obviously it paid off. Um, you know, I think going forward as, as their strategy, I mean, I'm not going to complain about anything that gets Nikolai Ehlers more ice time, but, you know, and I think they do have to get him going because the the stuff under the hood I don't think has been what we've come become accustomed to with him. Like I think he did need a bit of a jolt to get going, and hopefully this starts to provide him with one. Um, I, I would hope that we're going to see maybe a bit more of an offensive spark from guys further down the lineup. Uh, otherwise, you might end up in a situation where you have kind of one line that can really score and generate offense, and then three shutdown units, uh, which you know I don't know how far really want to put that so i'd hope to see a guy like gable already maybe get the opportunity to break out a little bit offensively if they are going to stack that line um and and become you know a real drink stir uh creating chances and not just suppressing them which is what the jets have been good at this year yeah 100 percent. i think some of those you know that that suppressing shots is like i I'm going to take it at this point. Like I was so worried about that aspect of their game for a while, but you're right that I think that there, there needs to be a little bit more ignition when it comes to what the offense looks like on the other nine forwards rolling out of there. And I think um, tonight was a good example of what we can see when they cycle the puck properly in the offensive zone on the, you know, the off times that they did have possession of the puck. It got better as the game went on. So I don't want to be <laughs> too hard on them, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, Gabe Velarde is, is a name that you mentioned that I think a lot of Jets fans definitely have a big question mark around as well. Not the guy's fault. He's played maybe five games uh, in a Jets jersey this year because of the, I always butcher this, MCL sprain, maybe? Is that what it was? Something like that. It was um, neat. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but tonight I found that the Alex Iafalo, Cole Perfetti, Gabe Velarde line was real quiet. They were real quiet. And I don't know if that's because... I only saw them in small spurts because I'm sure that was one of the lines that was being tossed into the blender with the whole 11 forwards and seven defense piece. But that's kind of what I was wanting to talk a little bit about as well. And maybe I'll throw it back to Jack immediately. What are your thoughts on going 11 forwards, seven defense? We're not even going to talk about the fact that seventh defenseman happened to be Logan Stanley because (laughs) that in and of itself is the argument that tosses us out the window because, huh? But what are your thoughts on kind of running with that and how it affects the lineups and how it affects the way uh, that usage is spread out among those skaters? I, yeah, I, I think it depends. I mean, I'm, I'm no coach. Usually, you know, when I'm in hockey settings, it's on a beer league team that has like six forwards and three defensemen. So it doesn't really come up. But I, I think it depends if you have guys in your forward group uh, who can 
really move around the lineup and be effective in no matter what unit that they're going to be on. Like you need to have guys who you're comfortable playing with, you know, your kind of two fourth line type of guys and, and who you think can really stir the group in there and also handle the extra minutes. And I mean, the Jets have in the past seemingly liked playing the, some of their forwards, uh, giving them a lot of ice time. So I think it makes sense in, in, in that perspective. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of a situation to situation uh, deal. And, you know, I, I think it was probably a little bit strategic tonight, knowing that you're going to be dealing with a Hurricanes team that, I mean, more than anything else, like more, you know, more so even than the peppering shots on net and all that kind of stuff is just such a punishing for checking team, you know, a team that forces you to make decisions really quickly and a team that, you know, can cause a whole lot of pain to opposing defenders. You know, I think it makes sense to, to go with the 70 in that situation, but you're obviously going to want to vary it depending on, you know, who you're rolling against. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really good point that, maybe brings a little bit more uh, uh, clarity and comfort to the situation because, like you said, it's very circumstantial. And Brady, what did you think of the circumstance? Uh, you know, you gotta got to get Logan Stanley into the lineup and Declan Chisholm. And, you know, sitting sitting AJ up is not an issue that I have. Um, but I, I don't even need to talk more about it. I'll let you talk more about it. I bet you my dad's listening to the broadcast, so I don't want to yell at Logan Stanley more than I already have. So, well, I mean, like it, it was it was really tough because, like, I mean, both of these guys, both Logan. I mean, first of all, uh, Declan Chisholm absolutely deserved another look tonight, um, and I mean, he kind of got like ten minutes or so. Uh, Stanley got just under thirteen. For me personally, like, again, I, I like to look into the conspiracy side of things. I like to twist the narrative into what I want to see. Maybe, you know, uh, we uh, every day we get closer to a Vili Hinola return and you got to make a decision on D. So whether this I'm not I'm not, uh, you know, you could you could go one way and say that this was potentially a, um, you know, a, a showcase game as if they haven't showcased him uh, a, a thousand times already. Um, but also at the same time, you're you're putting both of these guys in into a game where you're playing against a really tough opponent Um and so at the same time, you're kind of putting both of them into the pressure cooker, seeing which one uh, can come out on top. And, you know, for it, it was kind of tough, again, with how sporadic their ice time was tonight. Uh, again, I really like Declan Chisholm's um, uh, his, his poise and calmness with the puck. Uh, you know, he's not a huge guy or anything like that. So that's where he needs to, you know, make uh, his plays. And Logan Stanley was all, you know, he was six foot seven tonight. Uh, I didn't think he had a bad game or anything like that. He was he was fine. He was out there. I mean, taking a, a pretty dumb penalty after you score uh, a goal to go up two nothing is not great, especially in a game where you're getting heavily heavily outshot. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. It didn't hurt the it didn't hurt the Jets. They still ended up winning tonight. Um, and like I said, again against a, a, a very diff, a difficult opponent. Um, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um. I really, I do want to talk about, I think, you know, we've kind of covered a couple of the really important things that happened in this game. And and part of the reason we wanted to bring on, um, you know, Jack today is to talk a little bit about some of his work and how it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets and just kind of some of the league-wide stuff that he does. Uh, but we scheduled this long ago before we knew what the news was going to be this morning. And not that Willie Jefferson signed a year-long extension with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, though that was also excellent news to to receive on this fine Monday. But that the boy, El Nino, is staying for another three seasons. Uh, $12 million contract for the boy. Very, very pleased with that. Jack, every time a player gets signed within like 
30 seconds. The JFresh player card is up on Twitter. Everyone's circling around it. You tweet it out. It has, you know, the the even strength defense. It's got the assists. It's got the everything. It's got the projections. And it's got the one sentence long caption. That's a quick, you know, snapshot recap of what that card is actually telling fans when they take a look at it. What did the player card say about uh, Nino Niederreiter? And what do you think about that deal? Well, it said that he's a good hockey player. He's good at playing hockey. He's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked the fit for Winnipeg when they acquired him. I liked the price they paid for him initially. Um, I liked getting a guy who had that extra year of, of turn on him. And I think he's been a pretty good fit so far. Like, he has added that defensive aspect. And, and certainly, I mean, the way the Jets have played this season, uh, that defense has been a huge reason that they've been strongly competitive. And I think he's been a, a great contributor to it. And not a lot of wingers, especially at his price point, kind of bring that combination of defensive possession play and also scoring ability. And, you know, I know that we haven't seen him put up huge goal totals this season, but, you know, he's a guy who's going to be pretty efficient for you. You play him at five on five. He's He's got the skill to put pucks in the net, but he's also, you know, even if he wasn't scoring, he's providing a lot of value for him. Um, obviously, whenever you're talking about a player who's, in their early 30s and you're adding a couple years there to get them to the the middle of that decade there's always the chance that something might go terribly wrong but you know considering the value you get out of them i don't think there's any way to really complain about about this deal and and i would be very happy if i was a winnipeg jets fan and i would have been very happy as a penguins fan if they had spent a second round pick on him instead of one michael granland one week later at the deadline last year but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> yeah, it, with with Nino, it's uh, it's it's a very interesting because he's he's come onto this team and and really uh, provided something that they really needed, which is just consistent, hardworking play driving, uh, and and you know good defense, as you kind of mentioned there. Um, oh boy, I lost my train of thought. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, anyways, but well, as I was saying, Nino has been fantastic for the Jets. Um. Oh my God! I completely is this where I come in and save you? Is this where I come in and yeah, save you? Yeah, it is. Please, <laughs> good grief! I ha- well, you know what? I'm saving you, but I'm throwing Jack under the bus and I'm putting him on the spot. So I want to talk player cards. Can you give us like a quick little highlight of some of like your? I, I don't know. If favorite is the right word, but some of the more like interesting Winnipeg Jets player cards. Um, you know, obviously, I think I made this thumbnail so long ago, and I was like, Jay Fresh is coming on the show. Slap Kyle Connor, first percentile defense. <laughs> like, got to throw him on there. Because uh, sometimes you see some really bright blue and some really bright red numbers with the Winnipeg Jets on, on these player cards. So I'm kind of just opening the floor up to you to talk about just some of the players in this team that uh, you, you know, your model talks about and, and what it says about some of them. Well, I got to I got to disappoint you there because Kyle Connor is now sitting at a cool four percent defense number. So take oh, that. The Jets can't <laughs> you're, be you're stopped. Hor- oh. Horribly, hor- horribly outdated. Um, no, I mean, you know, especially I think that there's interesting things when it comes to the defense. Uh, I won't talk about Logan Stanley because, uh, like you, Thank there you. is uh, a, a, per- <laughs> a person uh, in my life who was a huge fan of of his, and I would not want to uh, make them upset. Um, I mean, the one that's interested me the most in the past couple of years is just Josh Morrissey's sudden decision to turn into a high-end offensive defenseman, which I don't think anybody was expecting like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like just apparently in one offseason just decided that he's going to be a like top like offensive, def- like huge offense driver, like defense numbers kind of fallen off a little bit, although they've, they've been, I think, better this season than they were last year. Um, that one's crazy. I mean, I, I'm always a big Dylan DeMello fan just because, like, any any guy who puts up consistent 
elite defensive numbers, regardless of what minutes you play him or which partners or competition you put him with, I'm always going to have an affinity for. Um, and then I, I can't, I can't name him, but there is one current Winnipeg Jets player uh, who actually uh, once sent me an email to ask me to explain uh, how the player cards work to them and show them my uh, his player card. Can, so, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm I'm a big fan of his. What, I'm a what, big fan of his. Can, can you give me, can, was it a forward or a D-man? That's all I want to know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't give you any information except that they, they did, when they got traded or signed by Winnipeg, they did ask me, uh, uh, you know, because I had mentioned that uh, I had a personal connection to Winnipeg. They asked me for a bit of info about the city and, and what I thought of it. That's all I can give you. Ah, I'm obsessed. That's I'm... <laughs> someone who cares about math and is excited to be in Winnipeg. Maybe kind of that's what I'm taking out of that. And you can't stop me from thinking that that person was excited. I'll take it. That That's, that's pretty cool. Um, I think it's time for like maybe and maybe this is the worst question in the world to ask and that you're so tired of answering. But uh, we have a lot of people here in the chat. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. If you're listening live right now, if you're listening back tomorrow, we appreciate all the support. Um, and just a little PSA, we are going to be asking a couple questions in the chat pretty soon. So make sure you have those lined up and when we'll get to those. But analytics and sports are changing very frequently and there's a lot of things you know that go into them and that go into the visualization of them that not everyone understands and i include myself in that category they can be difficult to digest to understand to kind of understand the nuance around and things like that but when it comes to a j fresh player card as we see being circulated on twitter can you give us kind of the rundown on a couple of the more maybe difficult to understand metrics when it comes to maybe unexpected goals or what the, you know, A1, A2 lines look like there. Just kind of give us the super easy, super brief understanding of what those numbers actually mean and what story they're telling about a hockey player. Yeah, I think the the, the replacement part is the is the tricky part, you know, especially I kind of, I've, I've moved away from the A1, G, you know, I just write goals and first assists now. So at least that that part should be fairly straightforward now. Yeah, I, you know, the, the wins above replacement, there's there's a small learning curve with it. I mean, it's a decently complicated model or, or complex at least. Like you're never really going to be able to just kind of drill it into something that is, you know, easily understandable at a glance for, for everybody. You know, the essentially the idea is that you're trying to come up with kind of a, a number that encapsulates the you know isolated impact that a player is having in different areas of the game whether it's you know their impact on you know the the jets creating scoring chances when they're on the ice their impact on them preventing scoring chances you know the the same thing on on the power play and the penalty kill you know how well they finish their own opportunities compared to you know how a, a replacement level player would do that and then you know are they drawing penalties are they taking penalties you know how is that impacting them because i think that's something that people will sometimes underrate especially with defensemen is that there are a lot of players in the ice who kind of just get a reputation for general physicality and stuff but but it's easy to forget that you know sometimes those physical players end up actually putting their team at a pretty serious disadvantage by ending up in the box with unnecessary minor penalties um so i think once you kind of you know get that get your head around that idea that this is, you know, we're trying to kind of tease out the impact that these players are having in different areas of the game through these metrics, you know, they're, they're not perfect. You know, ultimately their, their estimates, ultimately you do need to, you know, there is an, an interpretive element to it. 
uh, you have to bring in your own knowledge of the game, your own knowledge of these players. Um, but the idea is that it's supposed to essentially give you a decent snapshot uh, of the player in question and, and hopefully leave you a bit more informed about a player that you might not be as familiar with uh, or maybe give you a bit more insights into the players who are on the team that you watch night after night. For sure. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously we, you have the, you know, the player cards that you do, um, which are uh, a staple among hockey Twitter. Uh, but on top of that, you also do some, some projections uh, with your model as well, too. Uh, I just, just want to bring everyone's attention to a tweet that came out October 10th, 2023 uh, from the to? J. Fr- yeah, yes, I do have to actually <laughs> uh, from, from the J fresh hockey account, uh, having the Winnipeg jets, winning mm-hmm. the president's trophy uh without 109 points um oh, wow. and and the caption that you put on this image was whatever th- uh thing is busted uh what can i say no further questions uh, i have a couple questions um first off you and when- every, you and everybody else <laughs> First off, when when you when you get a when you get a result like this that is spat out from your model, um, uh, what is what is the first kind of uh, initial thought, uh, and then you know where does it go from there? That it's perfect, no notes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the I, I mean the first thing that I do if something that I that I've put together is is spitting out something that seems to go so deeply against the smell test is. I will just go through and make sure that I didn't do something horribly wrong or that something wasn't terribly broken with it. I mean, my assumption when it said that about the Jets was that I was, you know, I had done all this stuff to try to, you know, not overvalue goaltending. Um, and then I didn't overvalue goaltending and it still said that Hellebuck and the Jets were going to win the <laughs> friggin' Breslin's trophy. The second thing I did was the DM dumb decision asking him if he was having the same problem which he assured me that he was not he was like oh yeah i think i overrated the jets they're at like 100 points i was like buddy <laughs> we, we don't we don't have the, we don't have the same problem here um yeah I, I mean it was the same like the thing was the only thing that gave me a little comfort was that last year i had the exact same thing where i put out this these projections that had the boston bruins winning the president's trophy Everyone freaked out because Marchand was going to be out for months and McAvoy was going to be out for months and they were they were so old and here's all the players they lost. And then they ended up being literally the best team ever in the regular season. So that was like the one the one thing I could hang my hat on. Um, and, you know, like honestly, like I, I was looking at the numbers uh, yesterday or the day before, you know, kind of comparing it to the other models. And it's like it's doing above average. Like it's doing better than about half of the other models. It's doing better than most fans who kind of submitted projections to the survey. I, I still think it's a little off its rocker, but uh, you know, the, the thing is like for a while, actually the jets did seem like they were going to flirt with, with that number of points and they've, they've regressed a bit, but I mean, there's more than one reason that I was so overjoyed to see them beat the Carolina hurricanes tonight. And it was not just that we would be having a nice conversation <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah no no it's great it's uh what's that that 2012 tumblr meme where it's like she believed because he lied that's that's me that's i i'm i'm so excited i and i believe because your model you know they even even if it's not passing the smell test as you said it's passing my vibe test and i i'm very happy to see that but that um wants in, uh, is inviting me to want to take a look into this chat here and get into the question period here. So if you guys are listening live, drop your questions now because we're going to get into them. And Carl, my bot, I, I'm throwing you under the bus, Carl. Carl with a C, um, where Carl says, hockey cards are for people who don't have enough time to watch games. They mimic what you see on the ice if you know what to look for almost always. 
And you saved your comment there by adding that if you know what to look for piece. And I want to ask a question of my own that's sort of inspired by this one. What are your thoughts <laughs> on when people talk about how, you know, these these player cards um, are kind of a replacement and you can look at them if you don't watch games or and things like that. But if you can't fall back on your own eye test, there is a, a Jack Hahn thread that I really like that's basically like, not all eye tests are created equal. And just because you watch a team doesn't mean you're drawing the right conclusions from it. So you can't use what you see to like discard a model or something that you either otherwise agree with, or that is essentially correct based on, on kind of how it's built. What are your thoughts on this whole, like I, I'm so sick of the eye test argument and stuff like that, but, but basically more nuanced than that. When people talk about kind of discarding player cards, when it comes to players that they feel like they know very well. Yeah. I, I mean, you want to see, you know, the the perils of leaning too heavily on your, you know, your your own eye test at the expense of everything else. I can show you my HF boards account from the mid 2010s, and you will see some amazing <laughs> takes. You know, I, I was how they should sell the farm for Mikkel Bodker and stuff like that. Um, no, I, look, I, I never blame anybody who watches every Jets game and says, you know, I don't need these numbers to tell me what I'm watching or, or, I mean, especially like the, the ultimate one for me is when people are like, I don't care about analytics. I like watching hockey. I don't, I'm not a GM. I don't, I don't, you know, really give a crap about these player cards. That's like the fairest thing in the world to me. I, I don't think everybody has to be into them, uh, you know, for the people who are into them, I like to put them out there for people who maybe want to learn uh, a bit more, you know, ab about the analytical side of the game, including Winnipeg Jets players. They are, you know they're they're there for that purpose. You know I, I think that there are a lot of people who watch all the games and who not only watch all the games of their team but watch a whole lot of games around the league who seem to get a decent amount out of an analytical approach to the game. Uh, I, I mean you know it always makes me laugh. For example, when people say that you know uh, Dom from the Athletic doesn't watch hockey, he just relies on his stats. When <laughs> I know that he has like a seven monitor set up to watch like the Ducks play the you know, play the Predators on a Wednesday night. Um, you know, it's the same for most people. I mean, like, we wouldn't be doing hockey analytics if we weren't, you know, obsessive about hockey. Uh, and there are certainly times when, you know, watching a player more carefully, especially if it's one that I don't watch night after night, uh, has given me improved context and maybe helped my interpretation of the kinds of stuff that's in player cards. I think there's also different kinds of tools that you can use to have, aid that interpretation. I mean, tracked stats, whether it's what, what Garrett Hole does for the Jets, uh, what Corey Schneider somehow manages to do for like every team in the <laughs> NHL year after year. I mean, like those are such an amazing resource. And the reason that they're an amazing resource is that it takes what you see in the eye test and it puts it into hard numbers and it makes it comparable or, you know, between and then around the team or around the league, um, which I, I, I think is just amazing. Um, but yeah, you know, I I don't blame anybody who values their own eye test very highly, but I think that there is definitely stuff that you can miss, biases that you can have, types of players that you kind of may overvalue. And uh, I think the analytics might help bring in a little bit more context, but if you don't care, you don't care. And I'm not going to not going to freak out at you about that. <laughs> Honestly, fair enough, and I, I feel like you're a good man. You're a good man. It, it's, <laughs> that's I think that's the right way to look at it too. It, it's always it's just more it's just more information, more con more information to apply to the context. Yeah. Uh, but of if, course, if my girlfriend's dad loves more, uh, Logan Stanley, I'm not going to sit at the dinner table and tell him that he should not like Logan Stanley. But at the same time, 
Put but me, it, send me a table. I'll be there. <laughs> but but also at the same time, it's like uh, like listen, like uh, you know, listen. I both are are not the biggest fans of 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 Logan. Um, but if hey, if the reality ended up being that he was a a, a you know, it was putting out good results constantly, and that, and it was just because we see all the big gaffes. Um, you know, it's it's very easy for even people who are, uh, you know, uh, doing shows like this every or you know after every game to go in and go, hey, you know, this uh, he had this this mess up, this mess up, this mess up. But you know, that's that's what you remember really easily. But uh, it's it's not the entire picture, obviously. Um, but regardless, anyways, moving on from that, I uh, there is another question in here uh, from uh, from Turd Ferguson uh, at J Fresh. If the Blues fall off, Justin Falk feels like a Minnesota guy Chevy could get uh, to waive his no-move clause. Is he a top-four upgrade over Pionk? And then in brackets, hoping Schmidt's contract would go out as part of that. I really don't think that he is a guy that I would target. I mean, I, I don't think that Pionk is is a super amazing player either. You know, I think he's fallen off quite a bit, but... Falk, it's basically kind of replacing, you know, a, a like one guy with a guy who's very similar. You know, mm-hmm. like Falk puts up a decent number of points. He has, he still has a good shot. Like that's, you know, a thing that he really brings to the table. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to have guys, you know, bring a guy in for your second pair who's just gonna, you know, toss shots on net, even if they do go in a bit more frequently than others. I mean, honestly, especially I think considering their contract situations you know Pionk has has fewer years I think he also makes less money I'm pretty sure every defenseman on the St. Louis Blues makes like six and, six and a half million so I'm going to just assume <laughs> that Justin Falk does as well I, I think that there's a, a better answer than than Justin Falk and you know frankly I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that he has trade protection and uh, that he's probably pretty comfortable just tossing off slap shots in, in St. Louis. So I would probably look a little elsewhere for uh, for a, a, an offensive defenseman to add to this team. Well, speaking of offensive defensemen, I can't, I'm, I'm looking for the chat, the comment in the chat earlier, but I don't know where it is, but someone asked. Um, asking about, about Neil Pionk, and so kind of in the same train of thought. Um, someone's asking if you think he might need more power play time in order to have his, you know, numbers kind of bumped up a little bit as an offensive defenseman. Like, do you think it would help? Obviously it doesn't help with five on five metrics, but maybe just to kind of get his feet under him and showcase his, his ability to jack up the points a little bit and things like that. Do you think Neil Pionk needs power play time in order to kind of bump up his value as a defenseman for the Jets? Uh, do you mean like value in terms of like what he provides the Jets or value in terms of trade value? More the second one, uh, just kind of maybe like kind of recognition across the league slash to be considered by many as an actually good defenseman. And and I, I, I've I been a Neil Pionk hater, and I've been kinder to him this year, so I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, guys. I'm not going back to my ways. But I think it's a valid question that uh, just knowing the style of play that that he kind of plays. Yeah, I, I, I mean, certainly in terms of, of trade value for an offensive defenseman, it never hurts to give them a bunch of uh, minutes. And, and and you're right. I mean, he, his numbers are certainly better this year than, than they have been before. I think that speaks in part to the the strong defensive structure that the teams had uh, this year, you know, even if you're a guy who's not great defensively, if you slot into that structure, fine, then you're going to do a little bit better. Um, But I mean, still in terms of what he brings to the table, I, you know, he's kind of in that like Tyson Berry type mold where poor defensively brings a little bit of that offensive spark, but it's never going to, you know, fully kind of make a difference on, you know, even in a top four. I mean, there's a reason that Barry is having to go door to door selling himself to teams around the league. 
power play time, you know, might do him well. I mean, the, the Jets power play isn't anything to write home about. So, you know, maybe you might as well give it a shot. But, you know, he, he's he's a guy who I would try to, to move if you can. And, and if feeding him some power play time allows you to do that without hurting the Jets playoff chances, then maybe you go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're going to wrap it up here. We've taken enough of uh, Jack's generous time this evening talking Jets canes, talking player cards, talking Winnipeg Jets. I just have one last question for you, a little, little fun one here. Jack, who is your favorite Winnipeg Jet? I'm just curious. I- I'd really like to know who your favorite Winnipeg Jet is. My favorite current Winnipeg Jet? Yes, current. Yes. Uh, well, I, my, my, actual, my actual answer would be either Ehlers or the the mystery Jets uh, player that I referred to earlier. Um, but who wasn't Ehlers, a... apparently. Who was not was not Ehlers. Uh, although I would have loved it if it had been, because I would have had <laughs> amazing amazing news for him. Um, uh, but I will also give a shout out to uh, Morgan Barron, the pride of Halifax, Nova Scotia, my hometown, ah. who my uh, younger brother played soccer against back in the day, and said, "Hey, is that is Morgan Barron going to be an NHL player? Like I I played him in soccer a couple years ago. I saw that he was drafted. And I was like, no, nah, probably not. He's like not really a major prospect. He's you know late round pick. Like he'll probably be an AHLer. And then sure enough, he was a folk hero last year. So shout out to him." And yeah, no, for sure. Liz, one one moment. Sorry, I want to put I want to put Jack on the on the spot very quickly. How far do you think that that this Winnipeg Jets team will go? If you had, if you had to put a, a, a just a, a off the top of your head, off of vibes, off of you know watching tonight's game, how far Not do you think? Place. Well, <laughs> how far do you think this team will go? Uh. Well, I want to say Stanley Cup. I would certainly be happy to see them make a deep <laughs> run and, and really put it together. And with Hellebuck, you always have the chance. I think right now they are probably trending towards tough first round out for Colorado or Dallas. But yeah, you never know. We'll see. Okay. Okay. That was great. And now I'm sad. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Whatever. Show's over. Go, time to go home. <laughs> but um, if Nick Ehlers can really get things back on track, then they're going to get 109 points on the dot. Everyone else is going to regress below 109 points. President's Trophy, Stanley Cup, Dynasty. And who knows with the right ads at the deadline? You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. If you can get Nino Niederreiter at the deadline, who's to say you can't get somebody else good this year? Exactly. There we go. Exactly. Here's to hoping. Jack, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, hearing your insights, talking hockey. Um, for everyone who's here in the chat, thank you so much for watching live tonight. We had some great numbers. We had some great engagement in the show. Uh, Brady and I are here, one of us, us with guests, us doing fun stuff, kind of just shooting the shit every time here after every single Jets game. So you can find us and also similar type of coverage for every single Canadian market game after every single Canadian market game. Right here on SDPN. Make sure you check everybody out. We have some amazing co-hosts on the network. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We had a wonderful evening. You can find this up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those types of things after the fact. We'll see you next game. Thank you so much. Have a good night.